Hello, welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. This is a daily conversation about scripture, culture, and media from a Reformed perspective. Get your Bible and coffee ready and prepare to engage today's topic. Here's your host, Pastor Keith Foskey. Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. Today, I am joined again with my two friends, Sam Brown and Richard Roden, for another Caffeinated Calvinist Roundtable. And today, we are finishing up three days of statements about what we believe are problems in the modern church. Each of us presented three individual thoughts about that question. And for the last three days, we have been opining about our particular positions and issues that we have, things that we think are going on in the modern church. And of course, we are interested in your conversation as well. So if you would like to share something about the episodes, or if you'd like to ask us a question that we could respond to in a future episode, you can do so by sending it in to calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. That again is calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. So again, I'm joined by Sam and Richard. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, brother. Is is this thing on? Hello, Martha. Martha, are you there? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Martha's here, uh, baby. It's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, is this? Oh, this is the Calvinist Roundtable. Right. This is the Calvinist Roundtable. You're back with us, okay? Round, right, the right, round okay. Calvinist table. See, what people don't understand is they can only hear us, but we can see each other. Listen, you guys are beautiful. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the three things we're going to look at today, we've looked at the last couple of days, we've looked at I'm a good person. We've looked at we all worship the same God. We looked at hell and free will. We've looked at the, the overabundance of ignorance of basic Bible categories. But today we're going to look at three last things. Sam, you're going to talk about churches that just want money or people who think churches just want money. We're going to talk to Richard about people who say, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I always say, there can always be one more. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then we're going to look at false views of how someone gets saved. And I got, I got, a, I got a, a thought up my sleeve for that one. That's my last one, so I'm going to go last. So, Sam, since you have been going first so graciously these last couple of days, I'm going to let you go first again with churches just want my money. It's what I do. And um, again, being the most unchurched one in this group, um, I find it super frustrating when these people go, well, I don't want to go to church because they just want my money. Okay, but you're thinking wrong. You view that everything is yours. It's all about you, right? You don't understand and, and, and believe that you worship a holy, righteous, and sovereign God who gave you everything that you have. Every single thing that you have was given to you by him. So the fact that you even can, can think in the category of it's my money, my money, you know, um, is just really shows where you stand on the matter. Um, you know, and, and I'm not one who can quote scripture, but you know, blessed is the gift, right? Not, uh, and the giver, right? It, it's, it's not that, that it's your money to do with as you will, Right. But but to give God um, uh, the control of that and just be as good of a steward as you can with that. Absolutely. That means you don't go, you know, you don't go dump it on the side of the road, but you also don't hold it back from the church that is that you're commanded to build up um, for the body of Christ and um, and prepare for his return. So, uh, again, I think it's it's wrong thinking to say they just want my money. You know, when that word my comes in there, that's a problem. Amen. And uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, again, I said yesterday, I never played devil's advocate. I always 
advocate. Uh, let me suggest <laughs> you want to you want to play Nancy Pelosi. Oh, I would rather advocate for the devil. <laughs> it's basically the same person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me let me just say this. What if I, I'm going to throw this at Richard? Because I don't know if Richard had something prepared, but I'm going to I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in his whole program right now. Richard, what would you say to somebody on that same vein who says? I know there are churches out there that are just about the money. I've seen Joel Osteen. I've seen the Kenneth Copeland. I've seen the guy with the dreads that just, you know, I've seen the guys that just seem to be all about the money. And uh, I think that that's justification for me not to go to church because churches are all about the money. Well, that was where I was going to go. If, uh, <clears throat> um, when you called on me for this is the prosperity churches is what in my mind brought this idea about because if you're talking about someone who don't want to go to church because they think the church just wants their money, I don't think we're talking about believers for the most part. I think we're talking about unbelievers to start with um, who don't want to go to church because they think the church just wants their money. Cause that's what they've seen. If you turn on the TV, you see the Mike Murdoch's and the Kenneth Copeland's and the Creflo dollars and, and these Peter pop. You're telling me, guys. you're telling me Mike Murdoch is not a solid man of God. Mike Murdoch, yeah, I turn I turn him on for the comedy sometimes because it is absolutely hilarious to watch I, him. One day, one day, I just hope to be on a phone call with him so that I can say, Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, sorry, sorry. But continue. Was but um, that was super creepy. Super creepy. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, but I think that's where it stems from is that people see all these televangelists and even it made me think when we, when I was thinking about this today, while I was on the route, it made me think about, you know, comedians poke fun at this. Sometimes if you remember the blue collar comedy tour, um, back in the day with Ron white and Foxworthy and all those guys, the very first one that came out, Ron white's opening lines of his set was, uh, he says, yesterday I was sitting at home on, on a, in a beanbag chair, naked eating Cheetos, <laughs> and this televangelist comes Okay, on. I thought you were going to leave that part out, but thank you for <laughs> reminding hey, us of that. Thank you. Good family anyway, entertainment. Anyway, well, this is what the man said. I'm trying to be accurate. So anyhow, he says the televangelist comes on, and he says, uh, are you lonely? And my wife's like, well, Yeah. Have you uh, wasted your life at bars pursuing the sins of the flesh? Well, this guy's good. Huh. Are you at home sitting on a beanbag eating Cheetos? Yes, sir. Do you have the urge to send me $1,000? Close. <laughs> thought he was talking about me for a minute. Comics make fun of this because they know it's, it's fake. It's, they're, they're in it for the money. So when you have people who this is what they, their idea of Christianity is, is what they see with these telemarketers, these televangelists who act like telemarketers, basically trying to just get you to buy into their program. And of course, they're not going to want to come to church because it's they think they just want their money. But my answer to them would be if if you a solid biblical church is not there simply to get your money. They're there to one preach the gospel to you for the salvation of your soul, and two, once converted, if you are converted for the edification and the building up of you, of the body for the purposes of the kingdom to go out and be a witness for Christ, to be an ambassador for Christ. And the only reason the church asks for money is because uh, one, a church needs money to operate for one. And two, 
uh, scripture says that we should pay those who minister uh, under the word a uh, double honor, that, that they should be paid for their work. So that's, you're giving back to God for the purposes of one, as Sam said, to give back what he's already given you in the first place. It ain't yours to start with, so you should be willing to give it back because he commands for us to do so. Um, but we're not, the church isn't there just to take your money. The church is there to uh, advance the kingdom and advance the gospel and for, for, for believers to come together in worship after spending five to six days out in the, as aliens and sojourners in this sinful world that we live in, where we can come together with like-minded folks to worship God together and be strengthened and edified in our faith and then go out and advance the gospel. It's not about money. That would be my answer to uh, your question, Keith. And you may have another, another direction to go. So I'll turn it over to you for so uh, I'd, that. I'd like to just real quick, if I could pick a fight with the Ron White fan over here, if that's okay. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I would only slightly disagree in that when at the beginning you said that it is usually or only unbelievers who, uh, who say that. So um, in my experience, that's not the case, but I would also say yeah. that there's no such thing as an unbeliever. We all know God exists, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of Christians who say that too. Um, and, and that's sort of my problem. And again, still being a, a new Christian, I'm still grappling with some of these things. We can argue about the, um, the, uh, whether or not tithing still applies in the New Testament church and whether it's, you know, a requirement. But even if we say, yes, it is. And we even would say it's 10% of your income. That's a minimum, right? And if I'm only given the minimum, then I'm just paying a fee, right? And, and it, it, it seems un, uncharacteristic of a Christian to just give the minimum to the church, which they're dedicated to building up. Now, we have to be good stewards and take care of our families and everything, but also to just say, well, tell me, I've, I've, I've got to pay 10%. I'm only going to pay 10%. Um, to me, that is, seems to be in contradiction with um, loving Christ, but well, I, to, but I don't know. I, again, I'm I'm grappling personally with this topic. Well, to go to answer your or as a rebuttal or whatever you want to call it, um, when I say that it's typically the unbeliever that would say, uh, "I don't go to church because they only want my money." Well, a true regenerate believer um, will want to come to church, uh, and they're not going to let. Um, something like that stop them from coming they're going to seek out counsel and, 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 and the truth on the matter. Um, <clears throat> cause it, it, if, as I'm reminded of first John, I guess it's around chapter three where, and it, the context here was Gnosticism and, and, and the things he was battling and people left after the false doctrine, but it says they went out from among us cause they never were of us. True believers want to be with other believers and they're not going to allow misunderstandings on tithe or money or something like that stop from coming. So that's why I say that I would, I would argue that the uh, someone who claims to be a Christian, but never darkens the door because of money ain't a Christian to start with yeah. um, to the other. I'm trying to remember exactly what you said. Uh, Cause I got off on that train. No, I and and I, I just wanted to sort of uh, elaborate. Oh, as far as well, as far bit. as tithing, um, whether we're commanded to do it or whether it's 10%, I don't believe there's a 10%. I just know that um, 
it says the, the Lord loves a cheerful giver and to give with a cheerful heart. So it's, it's, it's dependent on every man to make that decision of what they give. Uh, and they make that based on, and I've heard arguments for if you're, if you're so far and if you become a new believer and you're so far in debt that tithing causes you to, um, not be able to provide for your family, then perhaps you shouldn't tithe, tithe till you get out of debt. Of course. So you get to a point where you can do it. Um, so I've never believed in the 10% rule. Now a lot of people do, and that's fine. Um, because I don't think that's, uh, um, in the new Testament stated, uh, clearly that we, and emphatically that we have to tie the 10%. It just says be a cheerful giver, which means it's up to the conscious of conscience of whatever of each person and what conviction they have or how much they give. But the idea is to give <coughs> to, to help with the work of the kingdom. So that would be my only answer to that I'm not saying, <clears throat> I'm not saying there ain't believers out there that say the church just wants some money, but if it's a con continual habitual thing and they quit coming because of money, then we've got a question they're they're uh, hard on the issue in the first place concerning <clears throat> are they even members of the true church in the first place so anyhow <clears throat> back over to you guys while we were talking i was watching keith on the screen here doing his karate exercises and stuff that was great oh so <laughs> we're boring him no you're, karate you're, kid. <laughs> you're not boring me at all i am this is how i focus <laughs> He was doing the rock song, <laughs> show me Sandoroa. Just everybody's going to want the video now. Uh, show me <laughs> paint defense. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've changed my background twice so far. I, oh, put myself I'm, in, I'm, I, I was in San Francisco while we were talking about the weird stuff earlier. And now I'm in, <laughs> now I'm in a cartoon uh, coffee shop because this is coffee with caffeinated Calvinist roundtable coffee with the Calvinist, you know. Okay, so so let me let me uh, let me throw down my thought and then we'll move on to the next question. Um, first of all, a uh, lot lot to be said about tithing and how much giving and whether you know the New Testament, Old Testament. I preached on these things before, and I, I don't want to be the guy who just says, "Well, I've already talked about this, so I don't need to talk about it again." But I, I don't, you know, th there is a lot to consider in this in this conversation. But in regard to my answer to the issue, I do think, and this, this goes out of what you guys just said, doesn't really say anything new, just kind of maybe uh, summarizes it a little bit. I think it all comes down to a uh, improper ecclesiology, an improper doctrine of the church. The, the doctrine of the church is uh, fairly clear in Scripture in that the church is uh, the body of believers gathered for the purpose of worshiping and being um, renewed, uh, uh, confronted, taught, uh, uh, rebuked, reproved by the scriptures. And there, there's a role for elders, there's a role for deacons, there's a role for church members. And part of what we do when we come together is we gather uh, our, our offerings for the use of ministry. And some of that supporting ministry workers, some of that is supporting the function of the body, uh, helping others within the body. There are people who need benevolence and help. And so there, there's all kinds of reasons why people give and why people should give. And uh, I think the the problem is we have become, we have become fascinated with the idea of the lone wolf Christian, that there is no need to be part of a local body. And therefore, if, if, you know, I don't need to give because I don't need to be part of a local body to begin with. So I think, I think it stems out of a bad ecclesiology, a bad understanding of my, it's just like the guy who came to my wife and I, we went to dinner on her birthday a couple of years ago and he comes up to us and I said, I introduced myself. We talked, he was a, he was a wait, waiter 
And I said, so tell me, do you go to church anywhere? And he goes, I don't go to church. I am the church. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was crazy. I said, you're not the church. So the word church, ecclesia, means uh, the, the assembly. The, you know, it means the, the called out ones is the, is the etymology of the word, but it literally means the ones who assemble together. You can't assemble by yourself. You are not the church. That's not how it works. You have a bad ecclesiology. I didn't say it like that, but I, was, I, I did say, no, you're not because you're not. And I think, I think issues about giving, issues about elder authority, issues about the authority of the church, issues about discipline, all of these things stem from a bad, bad, bad ecclesiology. And uh, that's uh, why I wrote a book entitled The Biblically Functioning Church, which has an entire chapter on how is the church supported. Boom, there is my shameless plug. Not only do I plug my own podcast, I plug oh own book how sad am i please pray for me okay we're listen, gonna do the next one. <laughs> listen i i don't write books and use words like ecclesiology like dr jill biden here <laughs> Jeez. okay okay we are we are we are officially done i'm i, I i'll do it live <laughs> i'm sorry dr biden but i use i I have my own method whenever people say things like that to me. I do what I call the Jeff Durbin thing. And I go, that's not what the Bible says. That's right. And they'll say something else. I go, well, that's not what the Bible says. And I'll <laughs> keep saying that until they get so mad. They go, what does the Bible say? I'm like, I'm glad you asked. Let's open them and talk about it. <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, but thanks for your input, Dr. Biden. <laughs> yes, you're, you're, you're welcome. That You may call me Jill. Okay, we're going to go to question <laughs> to Richard. Richard, you said um, same thing, but different. Because uh, uh, Sam said, people say, I don't go to church because people only want my money. You said people don't go to church because it's full of um, hypocrites. So we all know what that means, but tell us what you mean it means. Well, there's two elements to it that I've encountered. Um, years ago, we were talking the Christ saved me in 2001, so probably around 2004, 2005. I was still a new Christian, still very young in the faith. But I was talking with a man about why he didn't come to church. And that was his answer. He said, I don't come to church because it's full of hypocrites. And so I asked him what he, what he meant by that. And his answer actually shocked me. Um, <clears throat> he said, well, primarily because I know one of the hypocrites in your church. And he Word. gave me a name. <laughs> he gave me the name. Uh, the fella and the guy he was fixing to tell me all these things about was someone that I seen there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was, uh, if there was an opportunity to serve in some capacity, whether it be at a, any kind of church function or whatever, he was always there. But this particular fella knew him Monday through Saturday. Ooh. And this guy, um, he was, <laughs> he cussed like a sailor. He was chasing women that wasn't his wife. He was, they would go to the strip club together on Saturday night till two o'clock in the morning. And he'd be at church on Sunday. That's the type of hypocrite that turned this man off from the church. Now, I didn't know what to say to him at the time, because like I said, I was still pretty new, but if I was an encounter someone that said something like that today, I'd make it very clear. Well, that person wasn't a hypocrite. He's just not a believer in the first place. Um, he's playing church and coming because the wife's making him come or whatever because the fruit of his life doesn't demonstrate he's a believer to start with. So he's actually doing what any unregenerate person would do. And that's just practicing the habitual life of sin. That's, 
that's a different kind of hypocrisy. Um, but the kind of hypocrisy that I think comes up more often than not that I've had, that was just one instance I had like that with a, with a, someone in the church who lived a completely different life outside of church. Um, another kind of hypocrisy that comes up, turns people off is when they find out that Christians still struggle with, struggle with sin. Um, I think people got this idea in their head that Christians are supposed to be perfect since Jesus was perfect and Jesus has saved us that we need to be, we're supposed to be perfect too. you know, be holy for I'm holy and all that. And the moment it's discovered we aren't, then we're, we're all labeled hypocrites. And to that accusation, I always say, and you've already said it too, Keith, is you're exactly right. We are hypocrites. Um, every person in the church on Sunday morning, from the pulpit to the last row of the church, every true believer is a hypocrite. Now, when I say this to people, um, I get a look of shock because they weren't expecting me to say that or agree with them, but it's the truth. Um, I believe Charles Spurgeon is the one that's this quote's attributed to. I think he said, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Um, and the point being that one, there's not so such thing as a perfect church, but if you find it, you're going to ruin it because you're going to bring all your sin and hypocrisy into it. And we can also look at scripture too. I mean, we can go, we don't have to go any further than Paul. Paul maintained after conversion that he was the chief of sinners. Um, of all the sinners, I'm still number one. I mean, that's, that's what he said. He laments about the fact, I think in the book of Romans, that he doesn't do the thing he wants to do. It does the very thing that he hates to do because the flesh is very still strong. The lust of the flesh is still strong. So if Paul, who arguably is the greatest Christian to ever lived, still struggled this way, of course, we're going to, and it's inevitable. Um, and I think there have been to, to a degree, you may even have some people who are believers who quit coming to the church because of the hypocrisy they see. Um, we can argue like I would argue with, with uh, what Sam said before, that maybe they're not truly regenerate if they stay away too long. But as we were talking about, that's why long wolf Christianity is dangerous and frankly sinful because God's commanded us to gather together, regardless of the man next to you and, and you know, what he may have going on or what you see hypocritical in him. We're supposed to come together. We're supposed to bear one of those burdens. We're supposed to be edified and strengthened our faith together. We're the symbol, as you talked about, walk out the Christian life together, pursue holiness, run a race. That's what we're supposed to do. We come to church, not because we are perfect. We come to church because we aren't and we come to worship the one who is, and that would be Christ. That is why we come to church. So when people tell me that they can't, don't come to church because it's full of hypocrites. I always answer that question with saying, you're absolutely right. But then I follow that up with, I want to give a challenge to those who don't want to come because they think that your church is full of hypocrites. I said, well, my challenge to you is this, come to church for a month and sit under the word and hear the gospel. And what you'll ultimately do is you'll hear about the grace that is found in Christ and the redemption from our, sin of our sins, including our hypocrisy that's found in him. And you'll understand why we're there. Um, especially if you come to faith in Christ. So that's, that's what I, what I typically say to people who say they don't come because the church is full of hypocrites. You're absolutely correct. I want to say, I can't remember who said it, but, um, someone said, I don't know if it was a Scott, if it was, a, you know, a man of old or somebody recent, you know, more current, but says something along the fact that uh, every time a preacher takes the pulpit, he's preaching in hypocrisy. 
because the preacher's probably dealt with the sin and the what he's what he's been reading in the text, studying the text is something he's probably been convicted over all week because he's been violating the very thing he's fixing to tell you about and call you to action on all week long. Um, so anyway, I'll stop rambling and turn it over to you guys for your thoughts on that. Uh, Sam, I'll let you go first. I have a quite a few thoughts, but I'll let you opine. He wants to correct okay. me, Sam. No, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm going to disagree on one thing, but not, not in a harsh or negative tone. We are brothers in Christ. I do want to have a thought, but, uh, but I want to wait and see how Sam addresses it. I can't remember exactly if it was St. Augustine of Hippo, who was the hungriest of the hungry hippos. Or okay, all you just said Augustine. It's either Augustine or Augustine, but you can't go that hybrid. What you, whatever you just did. Oh, I just did it. I just did it, son. <laughs> you, you can't. You cannot hybrid. I, I used to get challenged all the time because I say Augustine, and I was told that's how liberals say it. But but whatever you just did is okay. like how the Callahan people say it, and Saint I'm Augie, one of them. <laughs> about Saint Augie of the hungry hippos. Okay. Said, so, okay. It was either he or Dick Van Patten who said not going to church because of hypocrites is like not going to the gym because there's fat people there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the idea that you're going to judge every single person in a church before you deem that church pure enough for you to set your fancy little feet in is absolutely ridiculous. It's the height of hypocrisy and the height of, of supremacy. This idea that you're so much better than these hypocrites who are there worshiping God every week and, and at least trying to get past their sinful nature, yet you live in your sin and you feel superior in your sin to those people is, is incredible incredible to me and um i i find it highly offensive i i just I, I like to be a little a little underplaying things at work and um at work last week a lady said something about people at church are so judgmental so i just <clears throat> sort of let that go and a few minutes later a conversation came up about some local news thing where they had busted a bunch of uh child porn trafficking um, and I said, oh, do you think uh, child porn is wrong? She goes, yeah. I said, stop judging those people. Why are you being so judgmental? Boom. You know, it, it's, it's, it's the height of hypocrisy to say I don't go to church because of hypocrites. It's like not going to the gym because of fat people. Well, um, I've, I've had the opposite experience as far as uh, I don't ever have people say they, they don't want to come because they or they have this attitude they're better than us because we're all hypocrites they take the even the even playing field attitude. Everybody at the church is no different than me because I sin just like they sin. And so why do I need to go if they ain't perfect? I ain't perfect. I don't need to go because we're all in the same boat. That's, that's how I've had it addressed to me is in other words, if Jesus ain't done no better, made them any better, he ain't going to make me no better. So I ain't no point in me going and hanging out with, I can hang out with the same level of people at the bar that's at the church Yeah, is the yeah. attitude they give me. Is that what you're going to say when you face him on judgment day? Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that reasoning. Right. Idiot. Right. Not, not you then. Oh, I know. In I a know. loving way. In a loving way. <laughs> Is that what you're going to do on judgment day? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll give my thoughts now. Uh, uh, 
first of all, nail, nail me to a wall. Come on. I, with it. I, 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 <laughs> I want to just say that I, 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 uh, I would, I would only disagree in this respect. Most everything you said, I would agree with hundred percent. We're all sinners and no one should, uh, no one should try to say that they're not a sinner. But I think that hypocrisy from a biblical and etymological perspective uh, and definitional perspective means someone who acts or puts on a show. And so the idea of someone who goes to church and acts a certain way while they're there and acts differently when they're gone, that's, that's, I would, I would, I would hasten to say that we're not all that. When you say we're all hypocrites, we don't all put on a show. And so that, that would be my only correction is that I wouldn't say we're all hypocrites. I would say we're all sinners. And um, because the worst thing you can do at the church is to go put on a show just because you're there. And I do think that's what Jesus meant when he called the, the Pharisees hypocrites. He says, you do all these things because you're being watched. You do all these things because you are on display. And um, the word hypocrisis from the Greek means to be under judgment. It literally means to be watched. It was a word which was somebody who did what they did because they were on stage. It was a word for an actor. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, so you would agree with me then that, that the idea is, that we should not ever try to act like we're not sinners before other people. Like if it would be wrong of me to stand up as a pastor and say, I've never dealt with this, but rather when I stand up as a pastor, I say, I've struggled with this text all week. What you're getting for 45 minutes I've had for the last, you know, 144 hours. <laughs> I've had to deal with this all week. And so um, I would just be, I would just be careful with the language there is all, I, I mean, again, not, not challenging you as a hundred, you know, being a hundred percent wrong. I would just, rather than saying we're all hypocrites, I would say we're all sinners. And certainly there are hypocrites in the church. There are people who pretend not to be sinners. And that's the most dangerous thing that you can do is to try to tell the world you're not a sinner when you obviously are. So that was my only thought. So, so the, uh, so the first scenario I gave fits more into what you're saying. The guy who, played church, but in real and Monday through Saturday was somebody completely different. Yeah. I think, I think that's a classic <clears throat> definition of hypocrisy. The classic definition. But the other would be more nuanced from hypocrite to center in the sense of you understood what I was saying. I'm, yeah. Yeah. As I, was, I said, for the heart of what you're saying is a, not, yeah, I would just be, yeah, that would just be a we're little coming bit out, We're going down the terminology here. Yeah. But so. yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, yeah but. So, the idea that that we're never hypocrites, I think, is is fallacious, Doctor Jill. Um, we are. I didn't say we're never hypocrites. I said we shouldn't say that we that that's okay because. Or, 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 but I don't think Richard said that. No, no, no. Well, let me back up. What oh I'm yeah, I'm not. What, I'm not. Oh, okay. do the two-step back just, up there, Doctor Jill. Come on. Let, let me let me clarify again. <laughs> Just to uh, 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 to what I'm saying is to say that we're all hypocrites. I don't think that everybody goes to church on Sunday morning is is pretending that they're not sinners. No, of course. And, not. That, and that's that, and that's the idea is is people people who go and readily admit I'm a sinner, I'm struggling, I'm hurting. That's not a hypocrite. That's a Christian. Well, maybe but, I maybe I need to clarify. But even that uh, guy who went and sat in the strip club on Saturday night before he went Sunday, maybe he's struggling with addiction, depression, contemplating thoughts of suicide, that guy needs the church as bad as anybody. And, and we're going to pass judgment on him saying he's a hypocrite. Yeah, he's not a good person, but none of us are good. So the idea that we're going to allow this 
a professing un, unbeliever to feel superior to us because, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I get excited about these things because personally having dealt in the past with, with addiction and, and depression and things like that, um, I, I, I think that, that what we're seeing on the outside says nothing to the war that's going on inside of our heart. Maybe, and I need to clarify uh, my usage of the term hypocrite from the perspective of the person that uses it. When a non-believer or someone who's saying, I don't come to church because it's full of hypocrites, they're stating that in the sense of people in the church tend to have this air of um, superiority or perfection about them because they're Christians, when in reality they sin just like I do. That's why they're hypocrites. Right. It's not that the believer is pretending not to be a sinner. You know, from the perspective of the person making the accusation, because you are sinners, that makes you hypocrites. And that's why I say, well, you're absolutely right. We are, by your standard and definition of hypocrite, hypocrites because we sin just as much as anybody else. But the difference is we're under the blood of Christ and we have his righteousness and we're not trying to attain our own righteousness. So maybe I need to make that more clear at the beginning. And if the listeners stayed with it this long, maybe that helps clear it up some. From the biblical standpoint, you're absolutely correct, Keith, in the biblical use of the word. <clears throat> Someone who pretends to not be a sinner when they are is a hypocrite. But from my, what I'm saying, from the perspective of the person making the accusation, we're hypocrites simply because we were sinners. That's how they look at it. I like to and be make that accusation. I like to be biblical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to be biblical too, but we're making an argument about how I, the I'm outside just, world says I'm like Richard poking the bear, it. brother. Richard, you, Richard, you blew it. The second you said we're all hypocrites, those people tuned out and yeah. then you're the gospel. Never coming so back. You said that. Okay. You, you hypocrite. I have one last thing to say about this before we go to the last thing. Uh, and that is um, one of the things that we should point out to people, in addition to the things we've already said, is that the one of the few places in the world you can still be a hypocrite is the church because it's one of the few places where there is actually a standard. Amen. It's impossible mm. to be yep. a hypocrite in a strip club. It's impossible to be a hypocrite in a bar. <laughs> it's impossible to be a hypocrite uh, in, in places where there's no moral uh, standard. But in the church, there is a standard, and therefore there are hypocrites for sure. All right, so let us now move to number three. Mine is... Uh, a little simple here. I think that one of the problems in the modern church, a simple problem, but yet still a problem, is false views about how people get saved. Now, we have said a few times in our conversation today and over the last two days that there are people who think that they're saved and they are not. In fact, I, I would, I would uh, plug another pastor's sermon or not pastor, but evangelist, if, if, if you have never heard Ray Comfort and his message is entitled Hell's Best Kept Secret, if you've never heard Hell's Best Kept Secret, he explains the, the danger of false conversion probably better than anybody I've ever heard. He really expresses it in a, uh, in a way that is is simple and yet powerful, and it's called Hell's Best Kept Secret. So I, I do believe there are many people in the church today who believe they're saved and they're not, and it's based on a false view of how people get that way. 
And we could talk for the rest of the night about different ways that are false. But I think probably the most dangerous false way that people believe that they get saved is simply by tipping their hat toward Jesus. And the pastor gets up and he preaches a sermon. At the end of the sermon, he says, okay, if you, if you want to go to heaven, then do, you know, raise your hand, sign the card, come forward, put your hand in the hand of the pastor and pray the prayer after him or come get baptized. One of these things. And it becomes almost like the Muslims who have a ritual that is used to become a Muslim. The Muslims have a prayer that you have to repeat in Arabic. And if you repeat that prayer, it's, I believe in English, it's, um, uh, there is only one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. Uh, but it, you have to say it in Arabic. So generally it's done in repeating somebody because most of the people who do it who are not Muslim or who are not, uh, uh, who, who are not native Arabic speakers have to repeat after someone else. But it, it looks, if you've ever seen it done, it looks like the end of a Baptist church meeting where the guy stands up and he says, okay, if you want to believe in Jesus, repeat after me. I believe, I believe in Jesus and Jesus. And I, and I repent of my sins. I repent of my sins. You know, it's, it's this, it's the sinner's prayer, but the Muslim style, you know, and, 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 and one of the shames of the modern church is we've, we've adopted this bad practice and we didn't get it from the Muslims, but it certainly goes in the same vein. So I think false views of how people get saved is, is a big issue. And you guys are welcome to opine. You're welcome to disagree with me. I know Richard is just seething to want to disagree with me. On this point, I can't because I've witnessed it so many times. Um, I, uh, I was falsely converted at, at um, nine years old because there was a, we were at the, what is now Crossroads church up in Callahan. It was first assembly of God back in the day. And, uh, there was a, uh, revivalist or whatever you want to call it. And he came in and he preached this whole, as we talked about in previous episodes, hellfire and brimstone sermon. And yes, hellfire and brimstone. Right. And basically just scared the boo out of me. And at the end of it, uh, uh, sorry, is that a Callahan word? How many, how many definitions? I got to go take a baboo. Did you, did you say yeah, I just he scared the boo out of you? Yeah. He scared the boo out of me. And, uh, you know, basically the end of the thing, if you don't want to go to hell, come down front and me and 50 other people came down front. We all knelt down in front of this guy and repeat after me. And I repeated after him. And then next week I was in the tank, you know, getting baptized at nine years old. And of course it meant absolutely nothing. Cause by the time I was 16, I was out of church and running the roads and doing all that stuff. And I was truly converted in 2001. Um, <clears throat> but we, uh, before I was, after I was converted, even at the, at Greg Abel's, um, before we got a little more theologically and doctrinally sound, uh, we used to have revivals and stuff come in and guys would get up there and do the whole close your eyes, bow your heads deal. And, uh, and, and you've seen it too, Keith, where it's, they'll raise your hand if you want to get saved or whatever. And I actually, this time I looked around and ain't a hand raised in the joint, but he's snapping them fingers and pointing. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I'm like, who's he seeing? 
but eventually he said it enough that a hand would go up, a couple other hands actually went up and those two or three people actually came down. So it's like this coercion to get a result. And then those three people that come down after this, they get supposedly saved and then they get baptized. They disappear from the church and were never seen again because they got to get out of jail free card. Um, they got their ticket stamped to heaven. They think they're good because they responded to some evangelist or revival guy who coerced them into making a decision. And so yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. This is definitely a problem in the church. Absolutely. All right, Sam, would you like to opine? I know you're Presbyterian and you guys don't do shameful things like altar calls. So you may not even have an opinion. Listen to me, people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs> if you feel the Holy Spirit talking to you tonight, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to be close to Jesus, pay me $49.95 and I will get you into heaven. It's a golden ticket to see the great Willy Wonka himself. And I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden twinkle in my eye. Yeah, so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we, we have derailed. <laughs> Here's the problem is that, is that people take that seriously, so seriously. So I hate news programs now. The only news program I ever watch is on Fox News at 8 p.m. I watch Tucker Carlson. I usually watch the opening sequence, and then I'm done. But I hung around, and they went to this commercial break, and Billy Gr Franklin Graham was started talking. He goes, if you want to be saved, say this prayer with me. Got uh -huh. him a sinner. Oh, he did yeah. on Fox? He did the sinner's prayer right there. And he said, then call us. Somebody pray for you 24 hours a day. And, of course, they take credit cards on that line, right? So, um, yeah, because that, that's, what's, that's what we're sold. That's what we're selling is this prosperity gospel, buy your way into heaven, uh, e easy G Jesus. And that's, you know, that's what we've sold in the Western church and 95% of churches. Even people. That is it. Easy like salvation. Sunday morning. That heretic Lionel Richie. Hey, wait a minute. Easy like Sunday morning. There we go. That's, that's heresy, <laughs> sir. You're speaking heresy on these airwaves. <clears throat> uh, so, airwaves. This is the internet, bro. We are going through fiber optic lines. <laughs> it's a series of tubes. <laughs> it's all pipes. <laughs> Mario is in here clearing out the tubes. Okay. Dear listener, I apologize for what has happened here at the, the end of this episode. <laughs> it's been three long days. It's been 84 years. Okay, um, all right, all right, all right. Okay, I know we're, we're, we got to get back to serious mode for a moment. So I did my altar call, so I'm saved. Uh, that, yeah, we're, we're good. I'm, I'm going to heaven. The rest of you people are good. I don't really care. But you know what? I want to I add a thought to my own thought. Is that, is that wrong? Yes. I'd like to quote myself. Sam <laughs> is brilliant. I want to I like my own post here for a moment. <laughs> I think that we have uh, another issue uh, on the other end of this same spectrum, and that is the idea that salvation is by works. And um, as much as there are, is the hand raising and the altar call and the things like that, I think we also have people who believe that you have to accomplish some form of personal level of righteousness 
before you can come to Christ. And I think that can be just as dangerous, right? I think that we have to um, understand that the the coming is an act of God where he, whereby he opens the heart of the unbeliever to trust in Christ. And when that person comes, he does not have to jump through hoops. He does not have to prove himself worthy. Uh, he doesn't have to accomplish his own righteousness because he is now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so I, Martin Luther said this. He said, I preach the gospel every week because every week my people forget it. And the reason why people forget it is they, they start to think that their salvation somehow is dependent upon their good works. And so we striking that balance is hard. I, I understand what would drive somebody to want to get people to raise their hand and everything, because I understand the desire to see people be saved, but that's, that motivation can lead to wrong practice. And in the same way, I understand the idea of desiring that people understand the importance of practical righteousness. But again, putting that in the context of salvation, that this is what you must do to be saved. You must do X, Y, Z. Again, it becomes a do this and live versus trust in Christ who has done everything that you may live. And so <clears throat> it's a, it's, it is certainly a, uh, it's certainly a difficult problem and one that not many churches are, uh, are even attempting to get right because of traditions well, I think, and I think a lot of us, especially in Baptist circles, that's what I speak to is um, they're looking, they're always being asked, how were your numbers? What were your numbers? What were your numbers? Do you have any salvations this week? I remember um, this was years past. We don't do this anymore, but we actually had report stats to like, the like SBC or something. Um, oh yeah, they were oh yeah, they sending off numbers. Your, your baptism numbers, right? They want to see your numbers to see how you're doing. Like that's like it's some mark of whether or not you're a good church if you're having weekly baptisms and weekly salvations. So when you got pressure coming from an outside entity uh, wanting to know these things and you want to feel like you're being productive, well, I can see pastors to some degree bending to this and wanting to try to manipulate a, a a decision instead of just trusting the spirit of God to do the work. Um, yeah. That's at least in Baptist uh, circles. I don't, I can't speak for anything else. And I know this, uh, and this is based on a, uh, some research that was done. A lot of those baptism numbers themselves are manipulated because a lot of those people have been baptized two, three, four times. Because every mm -hmm. time every time they believe they have been saved again, or not really saved the first time, they have to be rebaptized. And so, you may have the same guy who's on the baptismal roll in 06, 08, 10, 15, You know, and 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 so it's a, that that number can be artificially inflated as well. But that is a certainly a conversation for another time. Especially you start talking about baptism, I see the the hair on on Sam's face begins to stand on end. So Baptize your babies. Um, I was gonna say I was gonna ask Richard if his um if his church had a, a frequent bat baptism card where when you buy six you get the seventh for free. Uh, no, uh, we didn't uh -oh. have that back in the day and we definitely don't have that now. Uh, I will say this, something we did years ago with judgment house. And I know you're not familiar with judgment house, um, uh, Sam, but basically it was a walkthrough drama 
uh, where you have a couple characters make a one makes a decision for Christ, one rejects Christ, and then you have heaven and hell at the end. And I always played Satan, and our hell scene was nuts. And for years, we'd have a they had on the wall of all the people who made decisions for Christ. You'd have like four or five hundred people in a week make a decision for Christ, mm-hmm. and a lot of them I think just came out of the hell scene because I was me and two other guys were you know, in your face screaming. We had demons running around everywhere. It was a <laughs> nutball scene. Well, we decided to be more biblical one, one year we changed it and we probably would have gotten in trouble if, because there's copyright on this stuff. We probably got in trouble. If they had found out about it, but we didn't care because we were tired of manipulating it and the hell scene you'd come in like normal. But then once everybody got in, it was pitch black and, you had people running around in demon outfits, but once they got in, we cut the lights on and we just preached the gospel to them for five minutes straight up. We got away from all the scare stuff and all that. And we just preached the gospel for five minutes. And at the end of it, there was no more of this raise your hand counseling, do the sinner's prayer stuff. The gospel was presented again. And then you made a decision or you didn't. And all of a sudden it went from 500 in a week to 10. Because you and those ten people actually ended up at a church somewhere. It wasn't just this sign a card. You you see where I'm going with this? When you actually got yeah biblical yeah you, with it, you ruined the numbers. That's actually where you're going. That's what I'm saying. Tank, we got tank the numbers on purpose. <laughs> we got just... biblical with it, and you actually see true conversions versus people just signing a card because that guy scared the badubu out of me in the hell scene a minute ago. <laughs> so. Why does, anyway. this, why does this church smell like boo boo? <laughs> Richard, so, oh wow! That must have been Judgment House last night. This it's, place smells like boo boo. I'm gonna tell you something, Keith. Uh, you're gonna have people at your church saying "boo boo" now. When they listen to this, anyway. I want to tell you, listener, if you come up to me Sunday and say a boo boo or doo doo or foo foo. <laughs> You will get so, a, you will get a hundred appreciation points from me. Now those points are worth absolutely nothing. But, but so, I, so but here's I will, a challenge. Here's a challenge. I'm going to give you 100 G- Jesus points if you can fit into your sermon this week. Paradigmatic blinders and Badubu, <laughs> and have it make sense. Don't just shout them out. You got to have it make sense. Hundred oh. Jesus points are on the table. I am preaching on Noah's Ark. Well, that's going to G- scare the Badooboo out of people. So. G- g- gentlemen, <laughs> I want to say this. I have been looking forward to this sermon since I was in seminary. I have I, my, my master's degree was on the subject of apologetics. I love the flood. Oh, I don't love the idea that God crushed people with water. I love this section of the text. There's so much rich history there. There's so much to learn. Um, I have so much to say. My mind is going to be so expanded in what I'm doing. It's it's going to be a, a badoo of a morning. So, <laughs> so I don't think I'll be able to do it. But, uh, but I, I, I will make sure my paradigmatic blinders are not on. How's that? Listen, my master's thesis was on uh, the <laughs> heresy of baptism of the church, and I, on my doctorate, when I well, no, 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 no. <clears throat> now, now. <laughs> Listen, I'm, right. just, I'm just jealous because I was 
thrown thrown out of every school I ever attended. I've got a GED, so you'll have to forgive me. I'm that's jealous. that's we're 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 we we all love you and we all love each other. Okay, <laughs> well, I think that brings us to the end. Uh, many false views of salvation and many things, and and I won't say I was in Judgment House too. I also played Satan. Uh, and I do remember they told us it's copyrighted. You're not supposed to change it. So Richard, you broke the law. I just mm. want you to know. <laughs> so, yeah. But you did. For the purposes of the kingdom. Yes, yes. Broke the law for the purposes. You both need to repent of your lawlessness. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, gentlemen, again for joining me. I look forward to this every week. Th- this week was an anomaly because normally we only do a caffeinated Calvinist roundtable one day a week, but th- we had three questions. Each of those questions took a long time, so we ended up with three programs. But I do look forward to having you guys back on the program real soon. And again, listener, if you have something that you want us to talk about, if you have something you want to challenge us over, if you want to argue with us, send us your questions and we will chew them up and talk about them, and we will spend some time. So please send them in to caffeinated, oh, nope, back that up, calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. This is the Caffeinated Calvinist Roundtable here on Coffee with a Calvinist, and I appreciate you two men. Thank you for being here. Yeah, just tell all the listeners, bring it. Come at me, bro. Come at me. <laughs> yes, listener, go after Sam. Anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. If you would like to trash a Presbyterian, yeah, bring it. Bring it, ladies. Bring it, ladies. Calvinist podcast. Calvinist podcast at, yeah, gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to box with a couple of Baptists, uh, uh, you, you got you got us here. You can pugilate a Presbyterian. That's not right. Pugil- that sounded. Pugil- that sounds naughty. <laughs> Pugilist. Okay, thank you for listening to Coffee with a Calvinist. Uh, Thank you for being with us today, listener. Send us a message at calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Keith Foskey, and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Coffee with a Calvinist. If you enjoyed the program, please take a moment to subscribe and provide us feedback. We love to receive your comments and questions and may even engage with them in a future episode. As you go about your day, remember this. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. All who come to him in repentance and faith will find him to be a perfect savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. May God be with you.